So welcome to the Dr. DJ Podcast. I'm your host, uh, Dr. DJ, sponsored here by LGBG. Um, we have another opportunity to do another exciting and insightful self-discovery podcast. Um, we are on the eve of the eve of the new year. And over the past couple of weeks, I've been thinking about plans. And I think everyone else has kind of been thinking about reflecting on the things that they want and desire um, for the new year, but also kind of looking at things that they've done over the past year that they can do better. Um, and I got pulled into a few conversations just about kind of setting that forecast. Um, and then we came with this lovely theme just about like everything that kind of inspired this podcast, like this the inspiration of being unscripted. And so I'm here with an amazing guest. Um, and I have to always figure out, it's kind of I'm doing this new thing. Do you introduce the guests or do you let the deuce introduce themselves? It looks unprepared. But I will say this is someone that um, is family to me, um, Taiwan Richardson, um, and connecting to all the things that I just already mentioned. Um, Well-renowned public speaker, um, business owner, um, TR Consulting. RTC. RTC Consulting um, has a strong athletic background. Um Great community organizer, and I think there's there's a million other things I can say, um, but I have to speak directly to the things that are passionate to me. Um, I know that he's probably done a great job of inspiring his colleagues, but for me, as someone has always looked at him as a younger mentee, um, it has been extremely exceptional for me over the course of these 30 years to be able to sit beneath and close to his feet. And so with no further ado, I want to introduce our guest today, Taiwan Richardson. Thank you, DJ. And I think it's only appropriate just to really put out there to everybody, like, I'm your brother, right? I mean, we, we, we go all the way back and have been through so much. And I guess before we even get started, first of all, thank you for allowing me to come on. Secondly, I, I, I want to like put this in perspective. Um, I want to congratulate you on all your successes. I appreciate that. Um, because uh, your wins are my wins. So like <laughs> I'm a doctor, <laughs> you know, and I'm Facts. happy to be one. But no, seriously, um, it's been amazing to watch your journey and looking forward to this conversation. I don't know where we're going with it, but we just going to go and we're going to flow because that's what we've been doing our whole life. Yeah. So let's let's do it. So I, I'll start with this. And I and I think why why say inspiration unplanned and why I thought directly of you um, in this podcast, I thought it was someone that told me it's helpful to have your script and have your plan, have this idea, have these set of questions, but also the improv and the authentic, like genuine authentic self matters way more than anything else. And especially in the space of mentorship, planning and reflection, being able to be honest and not have a plan for exactly what I'm going to do. Um, and I thought directly of you because I think about when I see you walk to podiums before speaking and and I don't know if there's really anything actually on the paper or there's an idea of things or there's a narrative like, all right, I'm going to cut that out. But I I've, I found it so important that, especially in a, in a spiritual space, when you're called to do something else, that's a direct pivot of what my plan was. And so that's ex explicitly why I kind of define today's session, inspiration unplanned. And and so I kind of ask the question, kind of starting with that question. How much do you plan or how much do you, are you inspired in what you do? Um, so I used to plan a lot. I used to plan a lot. I used to 
write every single speech and stand in front of the mirror. Now, this is going back to nine years old, dude, right? This is going back to nine years old. That um, church, that church, that, that church, church, that church background. So I'm about nine years old. Uh, Reverend Justice, mm-hmm. pastor at the time, uh, calls my mom. And he's like, I want Ty to do the uh, the opening for Men's Day, the welcome for Men's Day. So I tell my mom, I won't do it. And my mom's <laughs> like, you're going to do it. And so I get up there at nine years old, and um, I have written some things out. But once I get up there and I see the paper in front of me, I look out at everybody, and then something else just hits me. And so that has just kind of followed me as a speaker I walk around with talking points in my head because I draw inspiration from various things that I see. Mm -hmm. And so a lot of times we're having a conversation and you'll be on the other end of the phone like you there (laughs) and I'm there. But the way I actively listen, I'm listening to what you're saying. I'm trying to figure out points where I can give feedback to you. But in, in the midst of whatever you're saying, so you could be talking to me in one of your valley moments where it's really, really, really tough. You could be talking to me, you on the mount, on the top of the mountain, like Ty, I just achieved it. There's a nugget in each and every one. And so I've connected with so many people. I have thousands of like talking points in my head. So I always have this skeleton of what I want to talk about. But if I'm at a speaking engagement, like a high school graduation, that valedictorian, that salutatorian, somebody else is going to give me something that fits perfectly in the pocket of what I need to say. But more importantly, as I've developed as a speaker and as I started to ask God, like, let me use my gift for good. Mm. Before, so when I launched my business, it was, I'm gonna craft every speaking engagement to what you need. And I got like real cute. I was coming up with all these cute concepts and topics and all that. And it just wasn't working because it wasn't authentic to me. And so when I went back to the power of your purpose and really why are you on this earth, I realized that that's my topic forever. Mm -hmm. And I can make that fit in a corporate realm. I can make that fit at a high school. I can make that fit at a church. I've made it fit in prison. Anywhere Mm. I go, I'm going to talk about the power of your purpose because that's what kept me alive. That's what got Mm. me through. And so being authentic to the gift that you're given, um, there's always a plan. And now my plan is just around helping people identify their purpose. I realized that, that that's what works for me. So I think about, uh, like, we, we both play basketball. So, you know, folks get on a hot street. Mm-hmm. So even when I'm right and that idea comes and everything's flowing, it's hitting, um, how do you find your pocket? And I, and I, say, that, and I say that in the contrast where you're saying, because we, we come in rooms and we're still, I'm operating with a plan, but there's still improv because I see someone else said that. I see someone else. So this is this is a, what we call the bridge. So I have a bridge moment in terms of things I saw with the cadence of everything else um, versus like, how do you how do you exist in that pocket and then recognizing when there's a, like a direct pivot? It's the energy that I get from somebody in the audience. I never know who that person is going to be. And I realized that when I started doing it for the right reason, and that's the other thing about your gifts, right? Your gifts can be used um, both positively and negatively. 
Whereas I don't think I was ever using my gift negatively, the reasoning behind using my gift was solely economic. Mm. And once I really started to realize that the money's gonna come, God has blessed me with an amazing job. So my career, like my, my business per se, is not something that I actually need. I needed it when I launched it because I thought I was getting laid off. Um, but once God started to give me all this provision, I'm like, yo, you're here to change a life. And there might be 300 people out there. I'm there for that one. And God always reveals that one to me. They could be way in the back of the room, D. They could be right up front. And I know I'm in my pocket when I get that person, when that person is nodding. Right? I don't need the mm-hmm. I don't need the amens. I'm drawn. Just like they're, they're, they're locked in on me, I'm drawn to them. And then I can start to feel, I can literally feel that I'm getting, that, I, that I'm heading somewhere. I can also feel when I'm way in left field because I'm trained to read the room. And so when you're in that zone, when you're in that hot street, um, it's exhilarating, right? Because it's not about you. It's about you being a vessel that message coming through you, and then the receiver actually getting it. And so I think that for me, um, I used to like judge my success based upon, um, you know, how many hits I got, how many likes I got, and I realized that don't mean nothing. Mm. Most of the time, those folks wasn't in the room. It's when I hang back and somebody says, that thing you said resonates with me. So, so this is, and I'm thinking directly about it because I think what also inspired this, and I've seen this, and I think I think I've done this. I know if you've done this in different times, where you you have the plan, and I'm and I'm going to make the larger analogy, not just to the speaking engagement, but mm -hmm. to life. Mm -hmm. I had the plan, walked in this room, and I'm giving the scenario of just terms of just walking up to the podium, because I wrote it maybe in a silent place, maybe I walked around, maybe hit a, coffee, a couple coffee shops, but now I'm sitting in this in this larger space, audience is now looking at me. I'm tapping the mic, trying to try to try to get my nerves in order. Mm -hmm. And then something said, this is not gonna fly. This is whatever I was planning on doing, I said, this is not gonna fly. Um, and that there was a inspiration moment in that process that was like, no, I'll God, say this. And 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 recognizing that. As, as it's flowing and happening and you're just looking into the audience, I'm not this, I'm, I'm just trying to provide, I don't really know what the audience need or what, I'm not really just, just trying to get them on their feet and get them hot, is that I think I was called to say this today for, I don't know who's been marked for this message, but I know that I was supposed to say something, but I had a plan and I walked up there and I realized, yo, this is not, this is not gonna work right now. How do you, how do you, like talk through it. I know you've experienced, but also like, how do you process that? Cap pivot and like take it into life. That's so what like, that's that's life the as the stage, right? Um, the plan was leaving New Haven, right? I leave New Haven. I go to Central Connecticut State University. First of all, not part of the plan. <laughs> I'm supposed to go to Dell State, right? So I got a scholarship to Dell State, full scholarship to Dell State. I'm accepted to Morgan State. I want to go to Morgan State. So everything is all set. The day I'm supposed to leave for Morgan State, my mother's like, let's call down there and make sure everything's set. 
nothing set, D. Nothing is set. None of my paperwork is set. We got the acceptance letters. No, no, nothing set. So here I am, number four in my class. I ain't about to go to college because I did not apply to any school in state. Mm. And so we call the person that many people have called, God rest his soul, Ben Hunter. Got it. And Hunt's like, we're going to get in a car and we're going to drive to New Britain. And we're going to drive to New Britain and you're going to get in Central today. You're going to get in Central today. And then my mom and dad are like, what about housing? You're going to get housing today. So as we drive up there, like, this ain't the plan. I, I'm, I'm, I'm hot. I'm upset. And I start to think about um, what does this mean? Why is this happening? Right? So we get on the campus. I'll never forget. We meet with a woman, Miss Garcia. Miss Garcia takes care of me. She gets me in. Um, and then there was a woman, Patricia. I can't think of her last name. Um, but they, they, they finagled everything. Hunt had an amazing connection up there through the basketball coach, Howie mm -hmm. Dickerman, because his brother played at Central. Got it. So now I'm in. And the plan is, all right, major in political science, be a lawyer. Because everybody said I was going to be a lawyer. Because when you young and you black and you smart back then, you, you smart, you're going to be a doctor, you're going to be a lawyer. That's it. And DJ, I get in them classes and absolutely hate it. So God is saying, God is saying, this ain't the plan. I'm feeling it, but I'm like, I'm going through the motions because left school first in my family, right? One of the first in my neighborhood growing up in New Hallville on Harden Place. So I got all the Harden Place behind me, like the hopes and dreams of a, of a street, right? Behind me, the hopes and dream of a church and clearly the hopes and dreams of a family. And my mom was like, just come back with a degree. So I'm like, all right, I'm going to fake it till I make it. And... Then what happened was, boom, I'm on campus, I'm working in the calf, serving salad with a purple shirt on. Hate it. <laughs> Cramping my style. And somebody from New Haven, Tommyville, walks up to me and says, um, do you like kids? I love kids. Remember, we was working at the yep. basketball yep. camp together, all yep. of that. Um, Shout out to uh, a Hot Shot. Hot Shots. Connecticut shootout too. Connecticut shootout and hot shots. So we was Connecticut shootout on <clears throat> Davis Street, that site. And um, so I'm like, I love kids. And so she's like, want a job? I was like, oh, I love kids even more. If it means like loving them means I could get a job. And so I start working at Leap. And so imagine being on the stage. You got a whole plan or what you think is a plan. You about to say your first sentence, that political science was that first sentence. And something hits you like this ain't it. And then something happens. Something happens in the room. You can't explain it. So a job that I was going to work the for one semester turned into a place that I stayed for 11 years. So now I'm working in nonprofit. I'm not making a lot of money at all. Right. But the speech is starting to be written. Mm. I'm starting to get a flow. Because I'm learning so much about myself. I'm learning so much about young people. More importantly, I'm learning that I want to be in my passion. So as it develops, I begin to move up the ranks at Leap. And no matter what else is going on in life, because you're giving a speech, 
there are going to be times where you stumble over words. There are going to be times where, you know, like you, you hit a moment, you start off strong. And that's how my career started. My career started off strong. My academic career started off strong. And then in the midst of it, you have these lulls. So even in a speech, like even when I think I rocked it, right? There are some moments where I look back like, yo, what was you doing? What was you saying? Right. And the only thing that carries me through them portions of the speech and carried me through life was my charisma. So I'm falling back on charisma. I'm falling back on my gift of gab and everything appears. Right. Because nobody knows what I have on that paper. You just said, I don't even know if anything be on the paper sometimes. It could be a blank sheet. Just say nobody knows what's on that paper. And so people for years will look in, and I think it's important for me to share this. You asked early what's off, off limits, nothing. I think this is the most important thing to share. Um, when I give a speech, once I get in my money flow, once I get in my flow, it's over. It's, oh, it's the gift God gave me. It is over. The end result is what people remember. Yo, that brother, this, that, and the other, blah, 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 da, 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 da. But, bro, where I'm at now, all that I've accomplished, very few people, you know, because you was on the other end of that phone a lot of times. Mm -hmm. Bro, the pain, the darkness, the struggle that it took to get to where I'm at is the same thing as that process in that speech where you start off strong and then you hit this low you got 15 minutes, whatever it is. You hit this low, people not, they ain't nodding off, but they like, all right, all right, all right. Like, what are we going to get? Because we also deal with people, right? They used to, like, make me happy. I like you. I, I'm listening because I like you. I'm listening because I like you, and please say things to make me happy. Sometimes the truth ain't going to make you happy. And so when we hit those moments, you kind of lose your audience, and then you draw them back in. Bro, that was my whole life. Topsy-turvy. So to get back to what you're saying, like when I look at life as a stage or when I look at, you know, like what happens when you're told that this ain't it, trust. And that's why I didn't have always. I got to trust that he is not going to steer me in the right direction, in the wrong direction. So when I'm led to think that this ain't it, I trust that God is going to bring me right to what's it. So this, I think that's a good segue because my thing was, when did you know you were marked or called? And I think, and I always, I've said this before yeah. other times, that your skill is not always directly connected to a particular occupation, mm -hmm. but the skill will allow you maybe to even just get the job for an occupation that provides the funds. But the reality is that when did you realize that you were marked or the word is even called mm -hmm. by his name? I think it was really young, um, probably like 11, 12. And like one of my closest friends kind of said it to me. Um, we he just said, you different. <laughs> that used to be like the statement. That's like, it right there. <laughs> you different. He's like, yo, Ty, you different. I'm like, uh, well, you're 6'2 and I'm 5'1, <laughs> so yeah, I'm different. No, you're different. And he said, you're not like us. And so I didn't know what that means. We're kids. Um, and I never understood why he wanted to be around me. I really didn't because, like, I was a square. Like, like when, when you look at what he was doing <laughs> I got you. versus what I was doing, like, just going to school, 
come home, had a basketball court in my backyard. I'm in the backyard shooting some hoop, go do my homework, come back up, shoot some more ball, got to go to choir rehearsal. Got it. Got to go to usher rehearsal, whatever it, whatever it is. He was drawn to me, and he's like, you're different. And it was him in moments where I wanted to step outside of my differentness and join the crowd. It was him that be like, nah, you can't come with us. You can't do this. But then I started to realize that he, I would give him feedback and he would accept it. Mm -hmm. So I started to realize at that age that like I have a gift of connecting with people and like bringing them um, to a place or to a, a frame of thought that they're not necessarily always living in. And so I recognized it. Um, then I fought against it when probably like 15, 16, when a pastor said you're called. Mm. Because then I'm like, what you trying to say? I'm supposed to be a preacher? That's, that's, a, that's, a, that's a separate conversation. Like. <laughs> right. And so because I didn't understand that a calling could be so many different things, right? Because we were, in uh, no disrespect to our, our raising in the church, but I think we were force-fed religion, yes, right, yeah. as opposed to relationship. And so I would often make the connections of those types of, that type of terminology to, to that piece. And I've always felt like, even at a young age, I was like, like there's some things y'all folks don't see that I do. Yeah. So like I ain't gonna be a walking contradiction. But to get back to your your answer was your question. It was like around eleven or twelve. And then as I was doing the work, um, I started to see the impact of um, my mentorship with my group, my leap group. And I always say those boys, like those eight boys um, at Long, Long Hill Projects in Waterbury. They were the ones who really, um, they substantiated that I was called to do the work that I was doing with young people. Um, it was them um, that really let me know that this is what you're supposed to do and don't worry about the money. I said this this morning, and I think to, 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 to jumps on your point, and I think about this in terms of the church space, growing, maturing, understanding the call, but also recognizing that Everybody, the word is not called everybody, even though it's supposed to. Um, and some people have not received their calling. Mm -hmm. But as a group of us or a group of individuals that have received a call or a mark that choose not to listen. Mm -hmm. And I think that that becomes very important where I kind of talk about that mentorship. When someone's able to be, and I, and I wish some of my young people did a better job of recognizing those that are different for whatever circumstance, and we love saying this this humble statement of saying everybody can do the same thing. And I, and I think that they can with the right preparation and tool. But being able to have what I consider real friends that say you are different. Nah, I'm just in a circumstance and I'm you may be watching me live this this life that I'm really trying to find an avenue to get out of. Mm -hmm. That I'm not going to allow you to participate out of curiosity and out of not understanding your difference in a very in a positive way versus just being this outlet. And I'm someone that I always I never wanted to be in the light. It's just like you just get called. So I, I say all, I say all that to say, um, you found your calling. You finally got to that point. God marked your path. 
you've you've had discernment and affirmations and confirmations from all the different peoples at every every level of the transition. And I think that I've watched your particular ministry um, and mentorship from a distance and up close. What is it like for you to see the fruits of your labor and also your name and calling on the other places that that were deserts and dormant? Um, I can't even explain it, man. I can't even explain it. Like the the sense of joy that I get when I see somebody that, not that I say I've impacted, but that says to me, you impacted me in some way, shape, or form. When I see them winning, bro, there is no, there's no greater feeling in the world. You know, um, I think that, so you had, you had Aaron on. Mm-hmm. Um, a, f- a few weeks back. Shout out to the breed. Yeah, so you had Aaron from the breed on. Aaron, well, Aaron was my leaper. Mm-hmm. Aaron talked about that story where he's in school and then he des- just decided I'm gonna leave school and I'm gonna I'm gonna go do music. Mm-hmm. I got the call. Aaron calls me like, "Yo, I'm not going to school no more. I'm gonna do this music thing." And to speak to people's calling, my response to him. And I really, I'll be honest with you, unscripted. I really want to say, no, you should go to school. And I'm about to, that's about to come out my mouth and something hits me. And I'm just led to say, yo, you could do it. I then, as we're having the conversation, I begin to believe it because I start to recall all the work that even in high school he was putting in. Mm-hmm. And so <clears throat> I think what's important, there's a lot of people that have put me on a high pedestal that I've mentored. I think what's important for people to understand, because this may this may run and some people may reach out to me and just be like, hey, Ty, can you be my life coach? Can you this? Can you that? And just think that it's the connection to me that does it. What people have to understand, I'm going to look in the camera, what you have to <laughs> understand is this. You can achieve anything you're willing to work for. I can't do it for you. And so when I see you do the masters, do the PhD, and you like big bro, big bro, big bro, big bro, big bro, we did it. Bro, like when you call me, when you successfully defend it, I'm at work. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm crying. I got called multiple times. Right. But there are tears. There are tears coming out of my eyes because when there's a true mentoring relationship, it's so reciprocal. It's not just me giving something to you. We're giving something to each other. And that becomes so personal that how could I not feel a sense of joy? And so the way I look at it, and I say it all the time, I got a whole bunch of people that were behind me looking up to me that are now in front of me and opening doors for me. And I'm just in like facilitation mode now. Like Renee Brown will call me. Ty, I got this idea, that idea, boom, 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 boom. But then I follow Renee's lead when it comes to like, she, she a beast with that Instagram, mm. right? And how she markets. She's, cause she's, so, she's, 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 a killer, she's a killer on that right. one. Right. So it's, 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 it's those things. You, uh, Diari, 
right? Folks like that. I gotta make sure we we shout we got shout out we got shout out we mentioned name we got shout out their businesses. So that's uh, okay. Renee Brown is uh, the track house, track house, and then Diaries, dope and delicious. There we go. So right. Will, Willie Ave, and I know that I think Miss Brown Renee has test two locations. So please, we will tag them on this so that they also know that they're recognized and that their their inspiration is is definitely mindful. Yeah, and I, so I think that that's the piece, right? When you when you're mentoring for the right reason, because some people just mentor because, it, like, first of all, when you're mentoring, you can't be looking for nothing in return. Mm. You can't be looking for nothing in return. And I learned that from your dad, right? Because when I had the biggest void of my life, he filled that gap. And he never asked for anything in return. He never, there's so many things he did, he never reminded me of the things that he's done. And so... If you really want to know why I mentor, like why I do it, because it's taxing. I have children. I have a wife. I have a job, a business, and all these other things that like I'm excited about doing. Um, I take that call after 10 calls. Um, <laughs> I take that call because somebody did it for me. And I also take it because I recognized when I was in my darkest spaces that I'm blessed, especially as a black man, I'm blessed to have a brother like you. Mm -hmm. I'm blessed to have, you know, our fraternity brothers. I'm blessed to have Ricky, right? Right. We're all in the same frat. Yep. But Shout out to Five Bitty Sigma yeah, Incorporated. But before Sigma, it's just Ricky, DJ, and Ty. Mm -hmm. And so I'm blessed to have you guys because there's always this narrative that black men don't have other black men that they can rely on, that they can be vulnerable with. That's not my experience. But I recognize that that may be somebody else's experience. So I'm willing to take the call. I'm willing to have the conversation um, because I know that there were moments that if somebody didn't answer that call or call back, I don't know where I would be. So I'll, I'll, give, I'll give a scenario to what you, how you ended because I think part of this is a, is, is a question that I'm still trying to mull over in terms of developing the next group of individuals, helping young kids find their way, but also understanding the privilege and opportunities that my parents provided and also circumstance provided to kind of really grow up in the church. Whether you're whether you sit in there understanding what's happening on the pews, you don't really understand church business, but you're in an atmosphere that it's there because at my worst days, worst days, Calls, because mind you, as in part of my human condition is you make the call first. And then you done made 10 calls or 15 calls and no one answered the phone. So now you so now you just in your little your on your island. This is this is where I think, and I would say for as my example, when you find your call, because your call is in your in your specifically in, in my spiritual relationship. Mm -hmm. And had I never been isolated and no and I get the fact that folks they got they got a job. They got they, they don't have time to answer the phone. So no one answering the phone talk is like yeah, you better get it you better get you a, re a prayer relationship because your 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 heat sensors are going up because you now you because now you starting to talk to yourself oh they not answering the phone they not doing it they not they not I would I would you know it's all about everything you would do and what what's not happening in the moment guys like and I remember guys stepping was like yo but just. I'm available in time. You don't need what you're using because I, because if you really believe that I created the space for you, 
I've gotten you out of situations. I've made these tables for you. I've set your path so directly. I've, I called you, I marked you for this particular purpose, but you keep forgetting in, in your human body that you keep making these calls and then this, this isolation and resentment happens because like he said, I'm setting it up because I need you to cap, I, come to me the front, on the front line. Because technically I might tell you something in a conversation with me to, to calm your nerves, but it may be a blessing to someone else that you do need to call because you call in the fight that you think is going to help. He said, I put you to be, a, I put you in this space to be a helpmate and the people you're calling is you're looking to them to take your burden. I really, I really got a plan for you to call this other person. That, and they may say something that directly connects, but right now focus on your assignment versus, versus which, which you think should be happening. And I think that's the inspiration of the unplanned because the plan was I'm going to call this person and they're going to say something good and make me feel better. And part of that plan, and I, and I have to be honest with myself, just being an overthinker and, and, and sensitive at moments where you're making that call thinking you want them to answer. You also have a plan for how the conversation is going to go. Absolutely. And it's not going to go how you how you thought it's going to go. So it's better to sit back and say, yo, I need I need to be operating in in a in a more aligned process in terms of how God's aligning the life that I'm trying to live and not be so rigid where I'm like, oh, they're going to call in. They're going to be ready. They're ready to go. It's like, no, they might not. So I <laughs> <laughs> you already know what I'm thinking. It don't even need to be said. But I think that what I learned when there were moments where either I like I didn't have anybody to call, I was too shamed to call. What I recognize and what I talk to people about is um we as a people, like human beings period, have a very um complicated relationship with silence oh my goodness like we have a very complicated relationship with silence so in the silent moments we want to fill that space with something um it's usually our self-talk and when our self-talk isn't getting us where we need to be we're trying to find that outlet we're trying to find that person to fill the silence but my greatest revelations have come when I've been willing to immerse myself in the silence, when I've been willing to be comfortable with the discomfort that I was feeling, and when I was willing to embrace the pain is the wrong terminology, but at least acknowledge the pain and at least acknowledge that I'm in a space where I need something and what I need may be bigger than those I think I could get it from. I'm going to call it the turbulence of progress. Yeah. I like that. Turbulence of progress. Because we, go for it. You, so turbulence of progress. God's about us. Cause I, remember, I remember writing down the I paper. Still, saying, I'm going to borrow it. Got it. I remember saying in my head, like, pain is it's like, it's not, it's just, there's turbulence to progress that needs to happen. Because yeah. it's difficult even, and, I, and just even thinking about the idea of, the silence is like, don't turn the TV on. Because there's you can go call <clears throat> the TV, you can go call a song, you can go call a person. It's like, but what if it requires you to just 
Stand in the doorway. <laughs> like, <laughs> figure it out. Right? Um, and I recognize that, you know, like, for those that are listening, it takes, I think, some practice to get to that point. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, one of the other things that I, I had to do for myself was actually find a therapist, too. Um, somebody, like, who's trained and paid to, like, just listen to me. Because um, sometimes what happens is, and, like, I'm, I, I know you've done it for me. I've done it for you. Like, I'm sitting on the other end of the phone, and I want to give you the right answer. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm, try, like I'm, I'm reaching and grasping for the right answer. And because there's an affinity, because there's a connection, right, like, the stakes are so high that I'm either really silent or I'm overpowering you by, like, just, like, babbling. You know, like I'm giving you more, 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 more. And what I realize is sometimes you just need that neutral party party that doesn't really know you. They're just they just know situations. And it's kind of the role I play sometimes when in, in my profession, if I'm sitting across from a client, um, I can hear things that their parent can't hear. Mm. Right. Because um, I'm I'm not as emotionally attached to the situation. And so I may pull out little nuances that mom, like 16 years of stress, right? Like she can't, she can't hear that. You, my brother, you going through something like now I'm taking on the emotional burden as well. And I really don't know what to do. Right. And so I think that what I learned is, and, and again, like your pops was the one that had to take the majority of the calls from me. Right. Poor guy is sitting there. Right. He just moves into like trying to solve the problem, right? <laughs> and he's been so used to, and, and, and I would I would do it as a mentor, right? Like, okay, you're calling me with something, I'm gonna solve your problem, right? And then maybe I put a band-aid on it, but we haven't moved the needle because it's bigger than all of us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, like, yay, though I go walk through the valley of the shadow of death, right? Not around it, not over it, not under it. And like in that whole psalm, right, I'm walking it alone as a human being, right? And it's just me and the spirit, right? But sometimes what happens is we want to take people along mm. that entire journey. And some of our journeys are meant to be walked alone. So you said, so I'm a, I'm a, you did two things. And I, I might, you did, because you talk about walking alone, but you also talk about carrying the community with you every place you went. Mm-hmm. And so, so we think. So I think about it in that space in terms of just the complexity of the narrative of like success and everything. Because I'm like, I need to walk, but I, but I'm understanding that I got a large bag. I got, I'm, I'm carrying this particular thing. And also, we, we might have changed the name because it's not just what does it mean to be called and marked in that journey and whose name is on. It's about receiving the call. And you bring up a great point about um, therapy. And and I so I have a therapist, but I also think about the people that I call now versus who I just called before because I was looking for a right or wrong. And now I evaluate, as, I, as I've done better, deal with the people that are not trying to make you right, and they're not trying to make you wrong, but what, what they're really trying to do is get you to see the possibilities that are available to you. Mm-hmm. And that's what therapy does. Therapy doesn't say, hey, this is, this is right, this is do this, don't do that. They just say, I need you to come to a conclusion. Because your 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 conscious and your subconscious are are at at war. Your emotions and your emotions and non-emotions are not at war. Because you said an important point that I've 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 recognized as important. I'm not I'm not emotionally detached. 
which doesn't mean I don't care. It just, I realized that sometimes my emotions were so much that I had to turn them off to be able to talk. That's because so we started talking about speech. Sometimes I get the unplanned inspiration is always about emotion. Always. I'm like, you're passionate. I'm like, because I turn I turn this I turn this paper thing off. It's always. It's always. And people, um, like I got feedback recently, and I I, I thought I did a decent job. It was like a B. <laughs> right? And but the feedback I got was you were the first person that came here and we could tell you cared more about the kids than yourself. Mm. And so I think that emotion is always a part of it. I think that when you talk about walking alone but carrying this bag, I think for me in the space and the season I'm in now, I think that's the hardest part. Um, recognizing that one, those people ain't asked to get on my shoulders. Mm. That was pressure I put on myself. They just want to see Ty be happy. So I'm walking with like the, what I'm saying is the hopes and dreams of a neighborhood, a community, a family. And all they want, all them folks from Harden Place ever care about is, hey man, how you doing? You happy? That's all they care about. Are you whole? Huh? Are you whole? Are you, feel, yeah. Are you whole? Right? Um, that was pressure I put on myself, and I think that sometimes what happens is when you're marked early, when you're called early, um, there is a sense of ego that comes along with that. And if you don't know how to check that appropriately, um, you'll walk around with a false sense of who you are and what you represent. Um, and I think that the other complex that I had to get over is – if I don't do this, nobody else will do it, mm. right? And that's where I start to... That responsibility. Ooh. That responsibility, I, I start to, like, I get a great sense of pride where I see something happens. Like, I'm just, I'm in Bridgeport. I'm working in Bridgeport now. Like, when I was working in New Haven, my hands was in everything. Yeah. I'll see that there's this issue that I didn't even know existed. And, like, the community came together and somebody handled that. And I start to see those messages over and over and over and over. And I struggle with anxiety, mm. right? And so the more you do, when you struggle with anxiety, right, the more you're doing, the more you're feeding that anxiety beast. And so I couldn't sit still. I always had to have something to do. And I wasn't even comfortable with, like, I wasn't comfortable with a weekend where I could just lay down and veg out. Right? I had to be doing something. I had to have my hands in something. Because, like, if Ty don't do it, it's not going to get done. And then I started seeing all these powerhouses in the community that's making it happen, right? And then I started to recognize that, yo, like, it's not me that has to carry this bag. We have to carry this bag. Have to carry this bag. And we have to understand what everybody else's secret sauce is, right? What you're doing with Athlete Alliance, what I love is, like, when you will put those those clinics together, those those workshops together, you know everybody's secret sauce. It's a gift, right? So you know everybody's secret sauce. You bringing me in for the small bit that works. You bringing Rob in for the small bit that works, mm -hmm. right? And I think that that's what's really important. And I think that we talk about, so you walk your individual path alone and you cheer each other on as you're walking your individual path. But then 
there's times where you have to come together like Voltron. There you go. To really make this happen. So there's things that you learned in your journey. There's things I learned in my journey. There's things that other leaders have learned in their journey. We come together because we both know, we talk about this all the time, our youth are suffering, right? Mm. And in order for this to really, really, for us to make the impact that we need to make for us to, to, to create the new haven, because I know that's what's important to all of us, to create the new haven that, that we want for our young people, like there has to be a merging and a conglomerate of all the callings put together. And we cannot care who the leader or the face of that is. And I believe, I believe, and I, I said this to the <laughs> I, I said this to Diari a couple of weeks ago. Um, it ain't me. It ain't me. Like, and I'm okay with it not being me, right? Because I'm a facilitator. Maybe at this season in my life, I'm just supposed to make sure we get in the rooms that mm -hmm. we weren't supposed to get in before, right? But some of this is like a young man's game, a young woman's game, right? And I think that what our predecessors, if I had one critique, what our predecessors did was they didn't say, yo, here go the keys. No. I'm going to be in the back seat. I ain't leaving. I'm going to be in the back seat. I'm going to be driving with you. And when we get there, you tell me what to do. So so I'm going I'm to recap real quick because you did a lot of things today. But think about the idea of the, the predecessor giving you the keys and think in a spiritual moment. God giving you the keys too early to not allow you to fumble and 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 drop whatever they were holding on to cuz they cuz they as the gatekeepers they still have the keys to the space and if i give you the keys too early and you drop it then we're not going to get this back someone else is going to acquire it someone's going to someone's looking to, looking to catch you slipping and 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 that's that's a real reality and i think about that metaphor in terms of like yeah why well, cuz i thought i was ready mm mhm and I think God has put purpose in our lives to, to recognize I will give you enough and I will give you the instruction mm -hmm. of what you need to do at that particular time before I, before I, you have the keys to what I have you access to. You want the keys to the thing that you don't, I'm not ready to give to you yet. And I say that because you talked about anxiety and I'm not, it, and I'm going to, I'm going to loop it in because one of the important things that I think about the youth in terms of our position in space is the honesty. And God has put right now in my heart right now to talk about this honest reality about um, how we developed our skills and the inspiration of the unplanned. I understand the inspiration of the unplanned, especially in speeches, because I remember growing up and having difficulty reading. No clue why school was difficult, but found out later on in life that you was dyslexic. And so finding that particular thing out before you know what it is, because it was, it was 20 years until you found it out that your strategy was to piecemeal your you have you are, are more observant you need to heighten the skills you are hide the other skills that you're not strong at and so once you became proficient the anxiety of reading became more about performance mm -hmm. so I, as an athlete performance anxiety because now you you're watching someone else that they can kind of see when you when you slip in and you're trying to figure out how to sit in that guy's like yo just he's so the grace and blessing is like to have that challenge 
and know that that challenge exists mm-hmm. and know that you'll be called to spaces to do this or like oh, you want me to read this whether they planned or not sometimes proficiency in, in kindergarten is just about just just give me the, just give me the lines just That's give me the lines and so the improv came because I didn't want to stumble on a line I was like man forget this let's 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 just get to it be- and and I think that that experience taught me a lot because I also it made me think about me as an educator and think about how our students learn. Mm-hmm. How can my students be vulnerable? What are their challenges? What are their because it's not apparent by the person mm-hmm. that that could be a challenge. Mm-hmm. I remember telling someone before I had to do it once. I had to read on a teleprompter, and I remember telling someone I was like, "That's my biggest fear." And I, maybe I said it out loud, and guys, I'm gonna create a moment. And I was like, "I don't want to be that person." I'm like, what school he went to? So I, but I always think I was like, and and then you get through that moment and it's confidence because I never thought that that would be a challenge about performance because what you do in your private, I'm like, I'm just running, I'm running through, I'm like, this is, this is good. I like this. And it's, but it's creating ideas, but the performance and appearance of everything else, that's what, that was your struggle. Mm -hmm. But now you have this different relationship with with literacy and reading mm-hmm. and then you understand that other students or the, the folks that we're mentoring that have the mark on it where I'm saying I've saved you from dynamics of life because normally I was responding out of anxiety and different circumstances and pressures that allowed me to be present in a calm space like just now you just got to handle your responsibility and do mm-hmm. that and some of them are just not and so I think in the, in the great scheme of things like that was that's been helpful to say that but part of Learning the skill is that honest assess- assessment of self. Yeah, I mean, you have to, you you have to know uh, what needs to be worked on, and I think that's the hardest thing to do, right? And so, like, there's just some people that they're not comfortable around me, right? Um, and like, I got a friend. Um, he says all the time, like, some people just, some people not comfortable being around me because, like, some people don't want to be sharpened, right? Um, some people not comfortable being around you, D, because some people don't want to be sharpened, right? Um, we're willing to say, all right, this is a deficiency. I recognize this is a deficiency, and I need to, I'm going to find a way to overcome this, right? I'm tired of masking it, right? So, like, you don't go D1 without working, mm-hmm. right? You, you, you walk in, I, I remember coming to your games, right? You walk on the field, it is air apparent that I see it in your walk. I know what time it is. You You know what time it is. And that's how you show up to every space. So you walk into your PhD program, I know what time it is. I walk into juvenile probation after like wanting a job forever. Finally get it. 17 of us, 3,000 applicants. I get the job. We sitting in the room. And bro, like it was life changing. It was life changing. So I'm sitting in the room and folks are like, folks complaining about things that's just like, like folks complaining about training. I'm like, wait, they're going to pay me all this money to get trained? Like I worked three jobs, seven days a week. You remember that? Seven days a week to like, to keep the lights on, not even to live comfortably, just to keep the lights on. And you complaining about that? Oh, I'm about to show y'all something. I'm gonna I'm say something to that because I think that what you're describing is something s- slightly different because being able to deal with confusion and unknown, I think the thing sometimes folks just they just run into the house. It's like I, I gotta I gotta get it done because 
I think there's a different complexity in walking into things that I know I'm good. So I think like a football example, like after I practice enough, I can walk into a game like I know what time it is. Mm -hmm. But I remember walking into the PhD and not knowing. Mm -hmm. But I had, I was a janitor at one time. I was working at AutoZone. I'm running around with my son. I'm I done gotten, I'm driving across wherever I got to go. Like I, I got a work ethic that if I don't know, that I'll, I'll work someone out this room. Work them clean out the room. And that's, that's what I mean. And that's, that's the difference. I mean. Because yes. because sometimes we, but I think the comfortability of someone saying I not want to be shy, it's like I'm comfortable with what I know. Mm-hmm. I gotta. I don't want to go to a place, and even now spiritual, it's like I don't want to go to a space that I don't know. Mm-hmm. But I called you to go there. I don't want to go there. And 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 part of that, I, and I also say as we're kind of closing out now, I want to ask you a question for the, for the record. Mm-hmm. So you were around. You called me. We were, I was in I was in college, and I wrote that article. Right after my son was born, mm-hmm. folks was like, "Man," and I think, and I, and I say this because I know you um, as someone that is a, a tremendous father, mm-hmm. and always want to be a tremendous, and always will be a tremendous father, and always advocate for other fathers, or even folks that ain't being father, advocate for them to how to become better in their space and create play dates. Um, when that article came out, it meant so much to me that you called me and say, "Yo, man, I like that you stood out on that," versus. Versus trying to focus on the, the perf- yeah, I, I, well, we don't care. I, I get a story. So the story, so the story is, I, I tear my ACL, and um, not doing well in school, and after I rehab, I'm getting ready for the opening game. Um, a reporter comes to me and asks me a question about what are your main focuses about the league or about the conference and about coming back to the season, and my response was, um. I'm just happy I got I got a new son and he gets to come to my games and I'm I'm excited to be a father and the season will be the season. Like put it out there. At a time when calling, now it's just like being a father or being in college is was not about being a father as a sophomore early in college. Right. And and I stood on that. And I remember being in the middle of my PhD and having a conversation with some of my sport management colleagues about this idea that fathers were not around because they're so busy on the road. And I was able to pull this article that a lot of folks was like, yo, this is not what you be. You should be talking about playing and running fast and making touchdowns. He said, the first thing you were thinking about was fatherhood. And I realized now in this space now of mentorship and just what I wanted to be as an example of what my father has been and what my grandfather has been and what I've seen within my community, that that has been a staple. I talked yesterday about being in, in, in fear. It's like I never want them to feel without. And if, I'm, if I got time to be in a space with the kids that we mentor and being called by that name, my father's calling on me mm-hmm. to be present for them as an extension. Not to be, like I say in the conversation, I'm not here to tell you what to do. I'm here to, to help you find what your medium may be and l- allow me to be your, your conduit. Let me be your medium mm-hmm. for, for, your, for your purpose and passion because I'm able to sit in it. You're just not able to touch it. Mm-hmm. I think for me, going back to that call in that article, um, I think the reason why I made that call, the reason why he led me to make that call, was because um, there's one the narrative of black fathers, mm-hmm. then you add in that you're a young black father, then you add in that you're an athlete, and like you got like the triple whammy, 
And so you the question could have pigeonholed you into just being um, the stereotypical athlete. And I think that that for me was the moment where you showed everybody that um, I'm more than this. I'm more than stats. I'm more than what you see. And I'm definitely more than that now mm. because of what I, my, the responsibility that I now have. And remember, in that time, I'm navigating the space of custody issues, going back and forth, not the best co-parenting dynamic. And so to see you just stand on that in a moment where you could have just, um, you could have just amplified yourself in that moment, mm -hmm. but you centered him um, was inspirational to me and a reminder that everything you're fighting for is worth it. Um, but also it is that being called in my name, like all you got is your name and your name is your legacy and you pass your name to your children. And so when we think about that, like as we bring it full circle, um, I think that there's nothing greater that we've done than being fathers. And, you know, like we had the moment last Sunday at my daughter's birthday party, and I was just kind of sitting there, like we're standing there watching them play. Mm -hmm. And as we're standing there watching them play, I'm like, yo, this is what dreams are made of. Like just little girls playing in a ball pit. I'm successful. This is what dreams are made of. This is what that is all about. This is th this is it because they they will far exceed any anything we imagine for them. They will far exceed that because of what we're working to create for them. And even if they don't, they have us. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, that that's it it was just it was pride and like that's what stuck out to me like what stuck out to me was that you centered jay mm -hmm. and in that moment i needed to see that because it helped me get rid of all the fog and like all of like all of the feelings and emotions like yo center d I'm gonna I'm let you take the close and i and i, and I well, i'll let you i'll let you close on the last statement i think for me I'll let Matthew, you got to close I'm tripping right now because you just got me maybe emotional a little bit. Sorry. So, no, so, but so no, I, I say that because, and, I, and I, I give you the close. What I was saying was that even closing out with Jay and seeing Jay now, he's, he's 15, that that time was, it, it meant a lot. It meant a lot. Um, but that was unplanned. A question was asked. And I, I always think that planning allows us to hide our intentions. That's what I want to say. Planning allows us to hide our real intentions. And my real that that really was my intention. That was an improv moment, it just caught off the guard. I just said, I was like, yo, this is this is this is my feeling. And I look back and I'm like, oh, well, I don't know how this how this way. I just I just was just like, that's how I felt. Um and but I also say to my young athletes, man, as as you progress throughout the world, fathers progress out the world, put a camera in your mic. Um, don't be too hard on yourself. I mean, your improv is your improv. Um but the reality is that sometimes we have unplanned interruptions or unplanned statements that it's really not how we feel. But I, just, I think it becomes very important to saying, 
understanding your inspiration. Try to keep it positive as much as possible. When there's negativity, find those places that provide some calm. And if you see that the environment is producing some negative feelings, man, please, like, put a pause, remove it, because it's necessary for you to kind of matriculate and go to the places that you want to get to. Um, and with that, man, I just... You close them closing. out. You close, tell them where like, to find you. you. Close them out. You just get inspiration. You you know how to do it. All right. Well, so I'm playing. <laughs> I'm playing. So you can find me on Instagram, uh, BlueFi Sum O three S U M O three. Facebook Ty Richardson. DJ introduced me as Taiwan because everybody that's close with me always gonna call me Taiwan. If if you hear somebody call me Taiwan, they either from Harden Place or Bethel Amy Church <laughs> or they're my family. Um, and then also Richardson Training on on Instagram. Um, I think what I'll just share to close out is uh, we're heading into the new year, and with the new year comes new expectations. Uh, folks start to plan. You may be creating a vision board. You may be setting resolutions. Um, I think one of the things that I'll tell you is if you made a list of the people that lied to you the most, um, you will be number one on that list. And so what I mean by that is um, whatever that plan is, right, uh, set a vision for it. Uh, if you would indulge, write yourself a letter uh, of what you want to accomplish over the next year. See yourself doing that, but then after you have that vision, create a strategy. What are the action steps that you're going to take to hold yourself accountable? Um, as you lay out those action steps, start to think about who are the resources that can help you achieve these uh, goals, but also be very honest about what are some of the pitfalls that you expect to, to you know, um, in, endeavor and, and endure. Um, so after you have your vision and your strategy, seek opportunities to really make it happen, right? Um, and then... Lastly, you got to produce, right? So I live in a world of VSOP, vision, strategy, opportunity, and then production. You have to produce. And remember that anything, anything worth having is worth working for. Um, most people miss opportunities because it's dressed in overalls uh, and looks like work. An opportunity doesn't mean anything's going to be handed to you. You can achieve anything you're willing to work for. Just believe in yourself um, and choose faith over fear. That's all I got. This is the Dr. DJ Podcast, sponsored by LGBG. I am your host, Don McCauley, Dr. DJ. I'm here with Ty Richardson. We thank you for coming. Peace.